Uh, good morning, everybody. It's uh, good to be here. It's good to be in a nice, warm environment. And uh, I'll see if the clicker works for me today. Uh, let me, let's uh, bow in prayer. Almighty God, we thank you that you've spoken to us and for generations and generations we have had the word of God. I pray, Lord, you'd help us to pay attention. Lord, help us not to be so proud and bold that we would think that we know more than you. Help us, Lord, to listen to your word, to grapple with it, to understand it. And we pray, Lord, you'd help us to obey and be guided into truth. We ask this in your son's name. Amen. Well, the human spirit is very good at marking events. Uh, we love to, to celebrate things, birthdays, anniversaries, not just wedding anniversaries, but anniversaries of, of important social events. And uh, Stephen um, opened the service with the example of Anzac Day. Uh, if you're in America, the, the 4th of July is apparently a big thing. If you like Star Wars, May the 4th is a big day for you. Uh, there are things, we love to just mark, mark things down and remember them. And uh, as you mull over it and wonder why we do that, it seems to be that they form a unity. We, we, we bond together on the basis of things. Uh, what, has, what is our origin story? And where did we come from? And what is the most important thing that has, that has established or marked us or defined us? And not only events do we remember, but symbols and icons. We, we, we design flags for nations and clubs. We have um, badges for schools, uh, banners and uh, and there are also symbols like the peace sign or, or a dove with an olive branch in it is a universal symbol for peace. Uh, a broken chain is uh, often used as a symbol for freedom, to, to be broken out of the bondage of slavery and into, into freedom. But the symbol that the Christians refer to, uh, our faith, we have a cross. That's our symbol. That's the emblem. Uh, what is that representing? I mean, it communicates a lot of things. It does communicate love and victory and, and triumph. It communicates humility. It communicates so many things. But for us, for us to look to the cross and say that, that's our mark, that is our flag, that's our symbol, it's to remember that we are not great. Actually, we are weak and we're sinners and we come to the cross for protection. It's not a symbol of strength, it's a symbol of substitution. That the Son of God would go to the cross for us, that he would lay down his life so that we do not have to, uh, we don't have to experience the wrath of God like Jesus uh, experienced. That he would bear the full weight of God's fury because of my sin, and I don't have to do that. You see, our, our emblem is an emblem of thanksgiving, of substitution. And that marks, that marks who we are. It does unite us and it does, it does um, bond us together and it stands for our origin, but it's not an origin of our strength and our triumph and our ingenuity. It's, a, it's an origin of God sending his son into the world to demonstrate his love, that he would take the wrath for us. As we, get, as we get to chapter 12 in Exodus, it is a very profound chapter in the Bible. Exodus 12 is the origin story of the nation of Israel. Now, there is a prequel to Exodus 
chapter 12, there is the formation of the world that is described in Genesis. There is the prophecies that are given to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob that, that their descendants are going to be blessed. All of that origin story is there, but the, but the nation of Israel emerges out of Egypt in Exodus chapter 12. And again, just like the Christian faith, it is not on the strength and the triumph and the ingenuity and the brilliance and the genius of the Hebrews. It's purely on the mercy of God that he would choose them and save them. I'm going to go through uh, chapter 12 mostly. Uh, we're covering chapter 11 and 12, but I'm going to focus mostly on chapter 12. Uh, here, is, here is the sermon. Here's my three points. It's one long sentence. Uh, the wrath of God does not discriminate. Therefore, run to the Lamb for protection because God has spoken and it's done. And it's done. So they're the, they're the three movements, they're the three points. And the first thing I want to draw your attention to is chapter 12, verse 12. So if you've got your Bibles open, the, the, screen, the words aren't coming up on the screen. Uh, it's helpful for you to have your Bible here or your, or your device so you can, so you can um, uh, read along. Uh, if you haven't got it today, that's okay. Uh, each week there are some Bibles um, provided in the foyer if you'd like to come and grab that, one of those. Uh, or you could duck out right now and get one if you like. Or just have your, have your minds engaged and, and uh, let's hear from God's word. The wrath of God does not discriminate. And I'm in charge of that. The, the wrath of God does not discriminate. Uh, in verse 12, chapter 12, verse 12, we're told that the Lord will strike Egypt at midnight. Uh, verse 12, on that same night, I, says God, I, Yahweh, will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn of both people and animals, and I'll bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. It says that I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. There's no discrimination. Uh, it's important to notice that when God says, I'm going to come down and visit Egypt, he doesn't say, I'm going to come down and visit the Egyptians. He is going to come into the land of Egypt. And everyone in that land who has not bowed their knee to Yahweh, anyone who's putting their trust in anything but Yahweh, will uh, have death in their family this night. Uh, just as a memory hook, uh, it happens at midnight, and we're in Exodus chapter 12, 12 midnight, okay? So in your brains, you're trying to remember when, when piece, the, piece the Bible together. It's very helpful to have a mind that is mapping where the bits in the Bible occur. Well, Exodus 12 is, it talks about the midnight, and verse 12 is a description of what's going to happen. But just, just re reflect with me that the wrath of God does not discriminate. He's going to go through all of the land of Egypt and... Ever, and and uh, there, he's not going to discriminate based on race or, um, or colour of the skin or age, male or female. Uh, he's going to strike down anyone who's not paid attention to the word of God. Friends, this is not a passage about f freedom from slavery. Yes, God has heard the cry of, of, the, of the Israelites that they are in slavery. He's heard the cry of the people who he has chosen to be his people, and he's responding. But what we get in this passage is not a victory dance that God has turned up and said, great, now you're no longer slaves uh, to the Egyptians. It's not about freedom. It's about folly. This is about 
the foolishness of putting your trust in anything other than God, anything other than Yahweh, anything in this world. Do you notice that he's come down to judge on all the gods of Egypt, is what verse 12 tells us. Uh, this week, uh, Tim Keller passed away. A wonderful um, uh, gift of God to our generation is the, the mind of Tim Keller, a godly man who wrote a lot and preached a lot and is a good communicator for the gospel. And uh, one, of, one of the outstanding pieces of work he did was on human idolatry. And he says that uh, he, he has written and spoken that the human heart is an idol factory that we just love to produce idols, new gods to worship. We love to worship. We love to praise things. And you might think, well, I don't worship things. There's no idols in my home. I don't have any statues or anything. But friends, our money can be our idol. Our, 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 our popularity can be our idol. Our, 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 inner, our bodies can be our idols, the way that people see us. Facebook is an idol factory, isn't it? Uh, I'm not here to condemn Facebook. I'm a member of that club. But... Um, we, we love to worship things. And Keller says, in our heart of hearts, whenever we, whenever we look at something and say, if we could just have that one thing, then my life, will be, my life will be great. If I could just have that job, or if I could just have my bank balance to be there, if I could just August and I, in my heart of hearts, if that could happen, then my life would be sorted, and I'd be fine, and I'd be, I would be happy. And Keller would say that that is worship. And we're putting our trust in something other than the Lord our God. Well, God is coming into Egypt to strike down and judge all the households who are putting their trust in anything other than the Lord, other than Yahweh, other than the one true God. And so the Lord will strike down at midnight and go through all of Egypt and judge without discrimination. And so what other people to do. Uh, how are they to respond to Yahweh? Well, they're supposed to listen to him. And he, he says in verses 1 to 3, take a lamb. Look at verse 2. He says, uh, this month is to be for you the, month, the, the first month, the first month of your year. Tell the whole community of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. So the first thing that you have to do is to grab a lamb, find a lamb. Uh, it's important that you do that. And notice that God is actually instituting for Israel, this is your origin story. I want you, not just, don't just mark it in your calendar, I want you to define your calendar around this. This month is the first month of your year. Uh, and on the 14th day of this, of this month uh, will be the day that you remember that I came through Egypt and I judged all those who are putting their trust in anything else. The wrath of God is coming and you need to prepare. How do you prepare? First of all, get a lamb, one for your family. Secondly, uh, sacrifice that lamb and put the blood on the, on the door frame. Verse 6, chapter 12, verse 6. Take care of the lamb until the 14th day of the month when all the members of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. Then they're to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and tops of the door frames of the houses where they, uh, where they eat the lambs. So get a lamb kill the lamb, put the blood of the lamb around your door frame. It's a very active thing, isn't it? The whole family's involved, uh, either you know, in the slaughter and the painting, but also in the watching and observing. This is a whole family activity. Get involved. Don't do it in secret. Don't just leave it for mum to do. Uh, 
get, get out there. In fact, the men's, be, be proactive and lead your family to the Lord. Lead your family to actively, actively obey the Lord in how you are to be saved. And thirdly, what will happen is that God will pass over when he sees the blood. Chapter 12, verse 13. The blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. They're to paint uh, something on their doorframe. Uh, again, not so that God would, would, would wander past and go, oh, there's a Hebrew, I'll, I'll leave the Hebrews alone. No, it's, they're not to tie a yellow ribbon around the door handle. They're not to just put flowers and petals on the, on, in, the, in the front port. Don't, put a welc- don't change your welcome mat to a please pass over us mat uh, for Yahweh. Don't use, don't use any other system. In, uh, good intention is not what God wants. He wants obedience. What you need to do is sacrifice that lamb, put the blood of the lamb on the door to show both yourself, notice that there's, it's a sign for you, and it's a sign for Yahweh that when he sees that blood, he sees that this is a house who has taken my word seriously and has taken uh, the judgment, the wrath of God seriously and has acted, has stepped out in faith and has acted. Can you imagine how ridiculous it must feel to be painting your door with blood? You know, you probably cleaned it just a week ago and now you're smearing it with, with animal blood. It's, it's disgusting. It's horrible. But this is what God wants, and he wants the sign for the salvation to be a sacrificed animal. Because, friends, let me be repetitive here, God is not coming to just save Israel from slavery. He's come to judge, and he wants to know, have you given your life to Yahweh? Have you committed your future into his hands? Are you trusting him? All of Egypt is going to be judged, and what will save Israel, the only thing that will save Israel is substitution. A lamb must be killed so that your house will be safe this night. And so that leads us to the second point. The first one, the wrath of God does not discriminate. Everyone needs to pay attention and listen to this. The wrath of God doesn't discriminate. So therefore, second point, uh, run to the lamb for protection. Run to the lamb for protection. Uh, look at verse 21, chapter 12, 21. Then Moses summoned all the elders of Israel and said to them, go at once and select the animals for your, uh, uh, for your families and slaughter the Passover lamb. Do you notice that uh, Moses doesn't say, oh, well, you know, at some point today, you should um, consider perhaps maybe slaughtering a lamb. Just see if you can slot that into your, into your to-do list eventually. No, he says... Go at once. Go at once and slaughter the lamb. Don't, don't put it off. There's, no, there's nothing more important in your to-do list right now than slaughtering the lamb. Make sure that's the thing you get done. And then you can worry about cleaning up, getting your kids to clean up their bedroom. You know, then you can worry about the budget. Then you can worry about uh, what's happening tomorrow. Right now, the most significant thing is to slaughter that lamb. It's urgent, friends. Verse 22, the next verse, take a bunch of hyssop, dip it into the the blood in the basin. Notice that Moses is being specific here. This is how you should do it. Uh, Don't just vaguely 
um, sacrifice a lamb and put the blood on the, on the doorpost. Moses wants to be clear. This is what you do. Step one, kill the lamb. Step two, take a bunch of hyssop, hyssop, dip it into the blood in the basin and put some of the blood on the top, uh, on both sides of the doorframe. None of you shall go out of the door of your house until morning. The first, in verse 21, is urgency. Do it right now. Verse 22, it's serious. Don't, don't, be, uh, don't do this half-heartedly. Get it done, and once it's done, go indoors and stay indoors. Uh, don't make a cup of tea and then, and then just stand in the doorway and, and, and lean on the doorpost and, and, and look, for the sh- look out for the show. Uh, see what, what it looks like to see when, when Yahweh visits. Now, get in your doors and stay indoors, and that's where you are tonight. Take it seriously. It's urgent, it's serious, but here's the third uh, wave. In verse 23, there's a guarantee. When the, Lord, when the Lord goes through the land to strike down the Egyptians, he will see the blood on the top and sides of the doorframe and will pass over that doorway. And he will not permit the destroyer to enter your houses and strike you down. This is the, wonderful, this is the wonder of the gospel that we're told that the wrath of God is coming, we're told what to do, and that is we're to run to the Lamb, and we're told that there is a guarantee. This is not just fingers crossed. This is not throwing salt over your shoulder kind of situation. This is, you will be saved. The Lord will stick to his promise. The Lord has decided what's going to happen, and when he sees that blood on the doorframe, he will not even linger. He'll see there is a house that's been covered that's been substituted, and he'll move on. Uh, I, there's something I do religiously every week. Um, I'm sure you do it as well. I, I go, it's a Monday afternoon, uh, just before the sun goes down. I don't want to do this at night time. It's just better to do it in the daytime. Uh, I go out to the backyard. I grab two big plastic buckets. They happen to be on wheels. It's very convenient. And I wheel them from the backyard to the front yard. I put them in uh, very specific spots, uh, sacred places where I know that uh, they will be dealt with. I'm talking about bin night, of course. Uh, and uh, we wa- you go out, you walk like an Egyptian, uh, one bin in front, one bin in the back, and, uh, and you head out there. You do this religiously. Uh, you put the bins out. You check that you've got the right coloured bin lids this week. You, you, you take it seriously. Uh, but you get it done so that that night you can go in, have your cup of tea, have a bath before bedtime, and then you can lie in your bed and, and be at peace. It's done. But you know the feeling, don't you? At about five o'clock in the morning, you hear the truck go past and, you, and your heart flutters. And you think, oh, did I do the bins? And then you realise, yes, I did do the bins. I remember. And so you go back to sleep and you're at peace. It's a very trivial illustration. But that, that feeling that it's done, that the, the, that the bins will be collected, that's such a low priority. But how, much, how seriously do we take that? Friends, times that by a, by a gazillion, and that's the urgency and the certainty that we have to come to Christ. We need to come to him and, and accept his sacrifice on the cross as our substitute. Because, friends, the wrath of God is coming. The wrath of God is real. Hell is real. And it, and, and it does not discriminate. And therefore, we must run to the Lamb. Don't wait. Don't put it off. And don't do it half-heartedly. Notice that he says, once you've... Once you've painted the door frame, go inside, close the doors and stay there. Don't linger. Don't play around. Don't dance. 
with the substitute that God has given us. Embrace the cross of Christ and thank God that he has paid the price for you so that you don't have to do it yourself. It's urgent, it's serious, but it is free. It's a gift. Unfortunately, uh, we, we believe that there's nothing, nothing comes free, and so we, we, we worry, we, we delay taking this Christianity stuff too seriously. It's all good and fine to come to church on Sunday, it's all good and fine to do this or that, but mostly my life is wrapped up in getting my life, you know, sorted. But let me just backtrack and go back to a point I raised earlier, that we need to be careful that we are actually serving Yahweh, we are serving God with all our heart, mind and soul and strength, and that we are embracing the cross of Christ because it ha- the, 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 the price has been paid, it, the, the wrath no longer is, is, uh, is our destiny because God has guaranteed it. Uh, when Moses stood before Pharaoh, he described to Pharaoh what was going to happen. In, back in chapter 11, uh, a couple of verses in verse 4, chapter 11, verse 4, uh, let me read to you what Moses said to Pharaoh. This is what the Lord says, About midnight I will go throughout Egypt. Every firstborn son in Egypt will die. From the firstborn son of Pharaoh who sits on the throne to the firstborn son of the female slave who is at her handmill, and all the firstborn of the cattle as well. There will be loud wailing throughout Egypt, worse than there has ever been or ever will be again. But among the Israelites, not a dog will bark at any person or animal. Then you will know that the Lord makes a, dis- a distinction between Egypt and Israel. There's no, there's no dis- discrimination in God's wrath, but he will... He will uh, Distinct. He, there is a distinction between those who have put the blood of the lamb on the door and those who, who, ha- who haven't. But friends, the distinction is based on faith. The distinction is based on faith. It's not courage that will save Israel. It's not strength. It's not stamina. It's not ingenuity. It's not resilience. It's not bravery. It's not being of a higher intelligence. It's not being good-looking. It's not anything. There's nothing that will save Israel except for their faith, that they've heard the word of God, they trust that this is dangerous and they need to act, and so they act and, and, and they obey. Uh, they, they've run to the lamb. Do you notice that you know, if, if this was a twister that was going through the nation of Egypt, then they would uh, lock the doors, get inside, huddle together as a family, and they would hear the violent winds outside and they would hope that their house was strong enough. But did you notice that when Moses spoke to Pharaoh, he said that for, the, for those who have got their blood on the, on the door, not even a dog will bark. It'll be like nothing's happened. And this is, this is, this is the reality with us and, and the cross of Christ. This is where our faith needs to be fed because it does feel like there's no danger. It does feel like there's no wrath of God uh, looming. It does feel like the cross of Christ was something that happened 2,000 years ago and what, what effect can that have on us? But friends, the, the word of God has come to us. The wrath of God is real. Hell is real. And the way to avoid hell is to come to the Lamb and have a relationship with him that is based on faith, uh, hearing God's word and responding in obedience. And so 
the wrath of God does not discriminate, therefore run to the Lamb for protection because, final point, because God has spoken and he has done it. It's done. Uh, as Moses stood before Pharaoh uh, in, in chapter 10, verse 28, Chapter 10, verse 28, Pharaoh said to Moses, Get out of my sight. Make sure you do not appear before me again. The day you see my face, you will die. Pharaoh thinks that he is the strong one. And Moses replies, just as you say, I will never appear before you again. Pharaoh has laid down his, uh, his hat. He's um, stuck his heels in the ground. And he thinks that he... This is, this is it. The next time I see you, Moses, you, you, I'm going to kill you. But Moses knows that this is the last time he will see Pharaoh. He knows that. God has already said this to him. Uh, and so Moses goes away in anger but says, yes, this is the last time you're going to see me. Friends, God has spoken to this world and as much as we would love for him to show up again, and just remind us, could you just turn up today, come through this door right now, come down the front, I'll step aside and have God speak to all of us right now and tell us about the future. It's not going to happen because God has already spoken. He's laid down the future. He, he knows how everything gets wrapped up. Everything in the future will be bound up in Jesus. And anyone who has not come to Christ will be left out and will have to face the, the wrath of God. Because, friends, he has, he, has, he has done it. In chapter 12, verse 29 and 30, they're very dark words, but let me reread them. Chapter 12, verse 29 and 30, At midnight the Lord struck down all the firstborn in Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh, who sat on the throne, to the firstborn of the prisoner who was in the dungeon, and the firstborn of all the livestock as well. Pharaoh and all his officials and all the Egyptians got up during the night and there was a loud wailing in Egypt for there was not a house without someone dead. We do want to talk about the wrath of God and, and, and hell because this is the future. This is the reality. God has said it and it will come. In Egypt, in every home, every home, the death count was the same. Every home. The difference is, was it the death of a lamb or was it the death of a firstborn son? That's the difference. A sacrifice had to be made. And so when we come to the cross of Christ, we see that Jesus, it's just not a cute symbol that Jesus wanted to leave, leave behind for us. It's a real act of his love and mercy that he would come into this world, that God, who, who does not need to save us, chooses to save us that he would go to the cross, that Jesus, even Jesus would, would willfully lay down his life to experience the full extent of God's wrath so that we never have to. I don't know about you, but I, I want that. I've got that. Can you say that you've got that? That you have sat up and paid, paid attention to the warning and that you're not just dancing around God. You know, it's not enough to say that you believe in God. It's just not enough. Uh, we, need to, we need to acknowledge him as, as our maker and our judge. And we need to remember that our salvation comes not from our greatness, not our goodness, not our ingenuity. 
our strength, but through his substitution for us. And that's why uh, God, through Moses, established a memorial. In chapter 12, verse 17, he says, Celebrate the festival of unleavened bread, because it was on this very day that I brought your divisions out of Egypt. Celebrate this day as a lasting ordinance for the generations to come. Celebrate that God has, has, uh, has passed over you and allowed you to live and brought you up out of Egypt to be a new nation a new people uh, celebrating and worshipping God. In verse 26, When your children ask you, what does this ceremony mean to you? Then tell them, it's the Passover sacrifice to the Lord who passed over the houses of the Israelites in Egypt and spared our homes when he struck down the Egyptians. Tell your children, every generation needs to hear this. And friends, we exist here today as a church because we have been told that generations have passed down to us that Jesus' death on the cross means that we can be right with God. And nothing else we do can add to that salvation. There's nothing we add to the gospel. Only Christ's death on the cross is our substitution. He dies in our place and friends, he has done it. What a wonderful saviour. What a wonderful Lord that we have that he warns us of the judgment to come and he provides for us the way for salvation. He's done it at the cross. Let me, uh, let me flick to Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27. If you know the two ways to live track, you'll know this verse very well. Hebrews 9, 27. Just as people are destined to die once, friends, we do live in a society that wants to ignore death, pretend it's not real, uh, that's a fool's paradise. Just as people are destined to die once and after that to face judgment. That's the warning. Verse 28, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many. And he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. I think that's a very gracious way of sp speaking about judgment. Uh, he will come again, not to bear sin, not to to deal with sin again, but to judge. And he will judge who has come running to the Lamb, who is waiting for him, who, who has stood up and declared themselves, I'm for Christ, I live for Christ, I am a Christian. Who is waiting for him? Who has responded uh, to that act of mercy? And it's a beautiful, and I'll leave this as a lingering thought. Uh, in John chapter 1, this, this was our New Testament reading, John the Baptist, who was warning uh, his generation of the sins that they carry, and he saw Jesus come over the horizon, and that famous words, he says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Let me just bring this to your attention. In the days of Exodus, and in all the days that that the Israelites were asked to, to remember. Every year, as they celebrated the Passover, every family was to sacrifice a lamb. Every family was to do that. And then we have records in the Old Testament of thousands and thousands of lambs being slaughtered to remember the great day of Exodus. But did you hear what John said? He said, behold, the lamb, the lamb, one lamb, who will take away the sins of the whole world. It is more, Jesus is more than enough to cover the, your sins and my sins. Friends, it's uh, not many jokes in this sermon today. It's a serious uh, topic, 
And I, I, I do hope and pray that each of us have paid attention and been warned and encouraged to run to the Lamb. Don't delay. Salvation has been provided. The Lamb has been provided. And so why, why would we wait? I'm going to pray a prayer of thanksgiving for many of us who have already come to the Lamb. And I'll pray a prayer that also invites you to, to do that today, to come to him. I'm not going to leave, it, leave you to think about it for a week. There's no reason. Just come to him today and, and become a Christian. Stop lingering at the doorway. Stop wondering if this is the right path. It is. It is. It's the only way for our uh, eternal hope and future. Let's, let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, we thank you for being so clear with us, for treating us with, um, with respect, that you would, you, would, uh, you would warn us that there is your wrath coming. Lord, we acknowledge that before you we are unworthy. We do, uh, we do have hearts that are driven and drawn to worship many things and to put our trust in many things, especially in our own ingenuity and strength. Lord, in doing that, we have betrayed you and we have turned our back on you. And for that, we deserve your punishment. But we thank you that you sent your son into the world to go to the cross and to bear the sins that we deserve, to bear your wrath that we deserve. We thank you for your love and your mercy. We thank you for your pr protection. We thank you that Jesus is our substitute. Father, we accept him as the worthy substitute. We pray, Lord, that by your spirit, you'd help us to live for you each day. Strengthen our hearts. Help us to speak to others about uh, your word. I pray, Lord, that uh, you would grow in us an appreciation, a satisfaction, and a joy that comes from knowing that our sins have been paid for, forgiveness has been granted, and that we can now declare ourselves the people of God. We pray you'd help us to understand this and live by it. We ask in your son's name. Amen. The blood of the lamb was painted around the door and people were kept safe. Jesus died on the cross for us and his blood applied to us rescues us from death too. It's so awesome. It's even puzzling. Can it be that a nobody like me can benefit so totally from the most valuable life ever given? Well, the song that we're about to sing asks that question, can it be that I should gain an interest in the Savior's blood? <laughs> 